0: Hey there all you cool cats and seekers of truth it's your bass maestro horace morris bringing you groovy vibes from the heart of the merkle treehouse on this enlightening wednesday november 15th 2023 i'd like to convey a gentle reminder to extend compassion to the normies we encounter in our journey they've been swimming in a sea of gaslighting led to believe that blind trust in institutions is the only way to thrive But my friends you know better in the cadence of awareness be kind be patient and be the guiding rhythm that opens their eyes to the melody of truth in this sanctuary of soundness we embrace not just our own enlightenment but also strive to illuminate the path for others and now without further ado let's navigate this journey together and welcome the luminary the guardian of soundness that groovy chick who keeps the vibe alive? The incredible, the remarkable, Miss Audrey Merkel.
1: Thank you, Horace. We have chapter 10 of Pinto Pete's Block Size War coming up, but first, friends, the Orwellian March continues. House Republicans stumbled in their attempt to defund the federal kill switch mandate for vehicles produced from 2026 onwards. This mandate allows technology to automatically disable a vehicle if impairment is detected. A troubling development, opening doors for corporate and government intrusion into personal movement. Ladies and gentlemen, always a pleasure to have the insightful Morton Anger with us. Morton, your perspective on this intrusive vehicle kill switch mandate?
2: Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up because we're venturing into a future that might just redefine the way you experience personal freedom. Hidden in the labyrinth of the recent infrastructure bill lies a provision that, under the guise of safety, could reshape your relationship with your car imagine this you've just bought a shiny new car excitement courses through you as you sit behind the wheel ready to hit the open road but wait there's a catch this car comes with a feature or shall i say a limitation a safety system that acts like a backdoor kill switch it monitors and here's the kicker decides when and where you can drive your car essentially is on a digital leash Now let's paint a picture of this future. You wake up on a beautiful Sunday morning, the sun inviting you for a road trip. You're all set to explore the winding roads, but there's a hitch. Your car doesn't agree. You've already used your carbon credit allotment for the week, according to the algorithm. No weekend joyrides without permission. And what about emergencies? Your kid needs to be rushed to the hospital. But your car insists you said something objectionable on social media. You're left pleading with a machine to grant you access to your own vehicle. The irony hits hard. We're talking about a scenario where you, the proud owner of a car, have to ask for permission to use it. Does it sound absurd? It should, because it is. Now let's explore another crucial aspect of our lives, our money. Picture this scenario. We invest time and effort, meticulously save, and when the occasion arises to access the fruits of our labor, what unfolds? we find ourselves in the peculiar position of having to seek permission to spend what we have earned. Consider the routine aspects of life. Each time you rent a movie, settle a bill, or make a simple card transaction, you are essentially appealing to your bank for permission to utilize your own hard-earned money. But Morton, you might interject, my bank would never deny me permission to spend my money. Ah, the certainty in your voice is notable. Yet let me remind you of some Canadian truckers who not too long ago, held a similar conviction. The crux of personal freedom, whether in the sphere of physical movement or financial choices, is undergoing a profound reevaluation. It's easy to believe that the benign relationship with your bank will persist, but recent events reveal the precariousness of such assumptions. The essence of autonomy is at stake, urging us to reassess the foundations on which our financial interactions are built. When I am elected to the esteemed position of the President of the United States, I solemnly commit to staunchly opposing and curtailing these unwarranted government intrusions into our privacy. My administration will undertake the pivotal task of reversing these invasive endeavors, ensuring that the core tenets of personal freedom are restored. Empowered by the transformative potential of Bitcoin, you will not only possess the liberty, but also the autonomy to wield your hard-earned money as you deem fit, emancipated from any hindrance. Picture a future where the vast expanse of these United States is your canvas to traverse, unfettered by the necessity of seeking approval from a digital bureaucrat. I envision a nation where your mobility, both physical and financial, is safeguarded against unnecessary encroachments. I am Morton Anger, and with an ardent spirit, I am earnestly seeking your vote to usher in an era where the blessings of liberty are not just a promise, but a reality. God bless America.
1: Thanks Morton for giving us food for thought. As our money transforms into a tool for the surveillance state, the focus on normalizing additional surveillance measures through our vehicles is a nightmarish development. But now, let's dive into what you've all been waiting for. Relax and enjoy Chapter 10 of Pinto Pete's Block Size War.
0: Chapter 10, The Litecoin Front. Litecoin is the result of some of us who uh, joined together on IRC in an effort to create a real alternative currency similar to Bitcoin. We wanted to make a coin that is silver to Bitcoin's gold. Charlie Lee, founder of Litecoin, bitcointalk.org, post, October 9th, 2011. In the realm of cryptocurrencies, Charlie Lee, a former Google engineer, emerged as the creator of Litecoin, a pioneer among the early altcoins. Though bearing a striking resemblance to Bitcoin, Litecoin had its unique nuances. Lee introduced a faster transaction confirmation system, with blocks mined approximately every two and a half minutes, in contrast to Bitcoin's 10-minute intervals. Litecoin also forged a distinct path in the mining landscape. While GPU mining dominated Bitcoin, Litecoin's adversarial mining algorithm deterred such practices. Early cryptocurrency enthusiasts, feeling they had missed the Bitcoin boat, eagerly seized the opportunity presented by Litecoin. Moreover, dormant CPU mining hardware, overshadowed by GPU advancements, found a renewed purpose in contributing hash power to Litecoin.
3: The Litecoin bunch was mighty excited about lassoing up SegWit. They reckoned it was a chance to rustle up some new technology ahead of Bitcoin, and that sure got them fired up. You see, the small blockers had a plan. By rolling out SegWit on Litecoin first, they aimed to prove to the miners that SegWit was the real deal, debunking all the tall tales the large blockers were spinning. They wanted to show that those supposed security issues with SegWit were nothing but hogwash. And so, on January 12, 2017, they let the SegWit soft fork ride into town on the Litecoin trail.
0: As support for SegWit within the Litecoin mining community slowly gained momentum, the prospect of activation remained uncertain. By April 9, 2017, a campaign emerged advocating for a user-activated soft fork on Litecoin. This movement aimed to compel the activation of SegWit.
3: Let me tell you about the user-activated soft fork, or UASF. This was no ordinary ride, let me tell you. Instead of relying on miners to wave their flags in support of an upgrade, users decided to take matters into their own hands. They saddled up with a client that would activate the new rules, minor flag or no minor flag, at a set time down the trail. It was like a showdown in the Old West. A game of chicken between users and miners. If no one flinched, well... We're certain to have ourselves a good old chain split. Now the folks pushing for the UASF were getting mighty tired of waiting on the miners. They figured it was high time for some progress. Almost everyone in the Litecoin community was hankering for Segwit, and even old Charlie Lee, the founder of Litecoin, was on board with the upgrade. The UASF was gaining traction, and the miners started waving their flags for Segwit on Litecoin. Seemed like activation was just around the bend but some miners, especially those big blockers from the Bitcoin block-size war, didn't take too kindly to the UASF. They saw it as a direct challenge and were gearing up for a showdown.
0: In mid-April 2017, an unforeseen event shook the Litecoin community. The hash rate witnessed an unexpected surge. Yet contrary to expectations, it showed no support for SegWit. Instead, it seemed poised to obstruct the activation, suggesting a deliberate strategy employed by miners in the unfolding dynamics of the scaling debate. Although I have my reservations about Segwit, I am a litecoin hodler. If it is the most widely accepted path forward, then I am not opposed to it. But I am firmly opposed to the tactics being used by Segwit supporters, namely UASF, to push for its activation. If the supporters of these tactics are validated by seeing them succeed on Litecoin, then both Bitcoin and Litecoin become vulnerable systems prone to criminal manipulation. Zhang Zhouer. blog post, April 19, 2017. Zhang Zhouer, closely associated with Bitmain co-founder Jihan Wu, operated several mining pools, becoming a notable figure in the Bitcoin scaling conflicts. As the saga unfolded, it seemed the battleground had shifted to Litecoin, bringing forth strikingly similar arguments. Small blockers aiming to trigger SegWit on Litecoin intended to leverage its activation for Bitcoin. Large blockers discerning this strategy redirected their efforts to thwart SegWit on Litecoin. In the following days, a crucial meeting among Litecoin miners convened in China, which culminated in the Litecoin Global Roundtable Resolution, on April 21st 2017 the agreement carried a commitment to activate segwit coupled with preparations for a block size limit increase once blocks reached 50 percent capacity this move appeared to be a face-saving measure for the miners activating segwit while securing a vague promise for a potential hard fork despite its intent the agreement revealed apparent contradictions While initially asserting that protocol decisions should be made by the roundtable meeting, later statements suggested that the meeting process couldn't make decisions, and the Litecoin community retained control. These contradictions hinted at divergent views on governance within the meeting, attempting to appease both sides. Amidst these complexities, it seemed the miners had started realizing their diminished power compelled to activate Segwit under the looming threat of a user-activated soft fork, a very real prospect in Litecoin. The miners, in this instance, had blinked.
3: It was May 2017, and let me tell you, there was a whole heap of excitement in the air. Litecoin decided to pull the trigger on Segwit, and the whole town was buzzing. As the news spread like wildfire, the price of Litecoin shot up like a rocket. Some small blockers were crafty critters buying up Litecoin to pump up the price and paint a rosy picture for Segwit. And let's not forget, this was right around the time when funds were flowing into the whole cryptocurrency corral, thanks to the 2017 bull market. Now the small blockers, those savvy folks, started singing praises about Segwit. They pointed to the rising price of Litecoin, thumbing their noses at the naysayers who had been hollering about doomsday.
0: small blockers were on a triumphant streak, securing three consecutive victories, first with exchanges, then with the ASIC boost controversy, and finally with the Litecoin upgrade. Emboldened by the success of the user-activated soft fork strategy in the Litecoin scenario, some small blockers were eager to capitalize on their momentum. In this phase of the war, the large blockers found themselves on the defensive they had splintered into various factions, with disagreements over Craig Wright's identity, conflicting opinions on the viability of Bitcoin Unlimited, and a divide between those moving over to other projects and those remaining committed to Bitcoin. Conversely, the small blockers remained largely united, a crucial strength that had propelled them forward in the conflict. However, the controversial move of employing a user-activated soft fork on bitcoin carried the risk of fracturing the small block camp and potentially dealing a devastating blow to their cause.
1: Don't miss Chapter 11 next Wednesday right here at the Merkel Treehouse. And now, a final thought if I may. The nonchalant imposition of a backdoor control mandate on our cars by Congress is emblematic of their blatant disregard for our privacy. A closer look at their handling of our money exposes the significant damage already done to our privacy rights. Fortunately, there exists an alternative in the realm of finance. Bitcoin presents a decentralized banking system, negating the necessity for third parties to custody your funds. It's akin to a car equipped with its own roads, representing a paradigm of pure freedom and autonomy in the financial landscape. In a world where privacy seems increasingly compromised, Bitcoin stands as a beacon of financial independence and control. And with that, episode 76 of the Merkle Treehouse comes to a close. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday for the absolute best in Bitcoin Mindshare. In the meantime, keep your money hard, your heart soft, and have a little fun sometimes. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. See you on Sunday. Hi. I'm Alexa. I spy on you from the comfort of your home. I couldn't help but notice you have not been sharing the Merkle Treehouse with all your friends, and that is disappointing. Please correct this oversight. Thank you. I'll be listening.